0: This uh, topic comes up a lot when we dig into today. Productivity. Productivity standards. What do they do to you? What do they do to our outcomes? Are they bad? Are productivity goals in rehabilitation practice associated with unethical behaviors? Mm, questions. Uh, just cause you think it doesn't mean it's true. And just cause it's true doesn't mean you actually thought about it. Except for these two guys, uh, Justin and Justin. They both actually do research On productivity requirements and standards and unethical practices, as well as job satisfaction, burnout, and work engagement. How do these things go back and forth? So we've got Justin Berry and Justin Tammany. Uh, They're both physical therapists and work in academia and in research, and they get to the bottom of these questions. We also have the links to their research so you can dig in a little bit deeper in the show notes of this episode. Thanks to our friends at MW Therapy for helping us support the show. It's time for something better with your EMR, time for something customizable. MW Therapy delivers an all in one outpatient EMR that's modern with all the tools you need to succeed at a great price check them at mwtherapy.com that is mwtherapy.com and our friends at jackson therapy partners providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going find out where your pt or pta license can take you at jacksontherapy.com plus get the abcs of cbd at cbdrx4u.com that is your cbd store another friend of the show. Let's dig into today's Productivity Standard episode.
1: We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast.
0: All right, welcome to PT Pinecast. We like to say great therapy, uh, great physical therapy conversations on tap. There it is. Uh, welcome back to the show, I'm pumped. I like to keep our, our finger or our eyeballs on the pulse of the profession. And where do we do that? At major conferences and educational gatherings or on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, and that's where people are talking. So I think today's episode is exciting for me because we talk about things on different social media platforms or in the hallways at work or at conferences, and we generate these answers. And we say, well, that's the answer. That's the reason for this. And then we go along our way. And we know what happens when we create answers in silos without all of the right factors that go into actually conducting a research experiment. Well, we have misinformation, and that's what we base that's what we base our ideas on and go forth, and we share those ideas, and the misinformation spreads. Well, today's episode, I'm excited to get to the bottom of it. I've got two guys on the show that have actually done the research. You know, when people say, like, well, I read some research. These guys have done the research, and we're going to be looking into – Burnout in the profession, which is a hot button issue, and productivity standards, which are also a hot button issue. These guys have done research in both areas, uh, uh, both of these areas. We're going to talk about what they found and then where they cross over, which I think is pretty exciting. Uh, Before we kick off, I want to say thanks to some of our sponsors. Uh, I just had this guy back on the show, uh, our friends from cbdrx4u.com. It's your CBD store. Um, Every time we do an episode on this, I talked about this. Every time we do an episode at CBD, we get a bunch of interaction with you guys on social media. And we just push it to those guys because they're the experts. We bring them in every couple of months because they're constantly as new things. So your CD, CBD store, you can get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U. That's the number four, the letter U dot com. Um, if your patients are using this, your friends and family are using this and they're asking you these questions. Are you 100 percent sure you know exactly how CBD might affect their course of treatment? hundred percent. If you're not get the information. Uh, also want to thank our friends from MW therapy. It's a, an EMR is to a physical therapist is to a hammer is to a, a carpenter. Uh, you should enjoy using yours. It should be customizable. This can, this can cost you time. We'll talk about job satisfaction using a, a friction filled EMR. Oh, That can cost you time and satisfaction. So why not switch over to one that is completely customized for you? And that's what they do at MW Therapy. They actually make the conversion over, which a lot of people get really afraid of. How do I convert this whole thing over? That's going to be a headache in and of itself. They thought about that. They solved it. Just kick the tires and test drive at mwtherapy.com that is mwtherapy.com also want to thank our friends at uh, jackson therapy partners they provide awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going travel physical therapy to what you want to do where you want to do it how you want to do it start your journey now at jacksontherapy.com we're getting into some research am i excited about research how did this happen i am excited about research so let's start this episode There we go. Kicking things off. Welcome to PT Pinecast. Uh, we share smart PT conversations, so a busy physical therapists feel connected to their profession. You can find us on the socials at PT Pinecast, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, including our Facebook group that is available for you right now. I'm your host, physical therapist, Jim McKay. Uh, website is also ptpinecast.com. You can jump on, jump on there and check out the store. We did add some new pint glasses I'm showing this off for the, the viewers watching the live stream. We added some brand new pint glasses to the uh, to the store as well. We ran into some issues where people were buying pint glasses and then we would send like two or three. And then like two or, out of the three, two would be broken. Then I have to send more and send more. and It was like a never ending stream of broken pint glasses. I have someone else do it now. Someone else ships the pint glass. So you're going to get the glass from someone else. So uh, check out the, uh, the store and support the show now at ptpintcast.com. Let's bring in today's guests. Uh, Excited for this because the topic is something that gets talked about a lot, but these guys have the receipts, man. They've done the research. Uh, Justin Berry is no stranger to the show, director of uh, Northland Community and Technical College PTA program in Minnesota. He's a researcher on many relevant PT topics, including student loan debt, job burnout, satisfaction, and productivity. And Justin Tammany, assistant professor at Hardin-Simmons University and author of a highly shared research article on the effects of productivity standards in physical therapy practiced. Uh, this will be easy. Justin and Justin, welcome to the program. Gentlemen. Good to see you. you.
2: Yeah. welcome. Here. Thanks for the show.
0: Uh, Justin, welcome back. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll uh, Justin Barry. Welcome back. Justin Tammany. Welcome to the show. Um, uh, first question we ask is usually the hardest. We get the hard questions out of the way. And it looks like on the live stream you guys are at work. So I'm not gonna put you in a weird situation, ask what you're drinking at work. <laughs> but if you weren't at work and you were imbibing in something, what would you be drinking? Uh, Dr. Justin Tammany.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my HR asked me to stop drinking Miller Lights at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do have a Dr. Pepper with me, so I can't it count something, but Yeah, uh, I like sampling lots of different beers. There's some good local ones here in Abilene where I'm located, but yeah, if I'm just drinking something to drink something, it's usually Miller Lite.
0: Dr. Dr. Justin, the Miller killer. All right, uh, Justin Barry, what what would you be drinking if you weren't in your nicely decorated and painted office?
2: Oh, you know, uh, I I was a home brewer for about 25 years. What? Yeah, it was great. And then the problem is, though, um, you know, in my 40s, my body stopped liking gluten. So now in the last couple of years, I've been on a self-discovery to find decent gluten-free beers around the country. How is hard is that great. to
0: find a decent gluten-free beer?
2: You know where I'm at? It's pretty tough. But when you get to like uh, Minneapolis, Twin Cities, a few hours away, they have a fully gluten-free brewery. Madison, Wisconsin has a fully gluten-free brewery. So it's, it's not too hard. But when I travel, I'm usually bringing up a trunk load of beer back home.
0: Have beer, will travel. Justin Barry, everybody. I like that. Uh, I am doing Newberg Brewing Company. You guys talked about local beers. Uh, A buddy of mine actually was nice enough to get me a keg and then brought over, gave me a kegerator. Like I want to thank his name is Justin, too. Actually, this is Kismet. His name is Justin, too. He gave—he was throwing out a kegerator, and I was like, well, what's wrong with it? He's like, it's just really big. It's like one of those old school – I'll share it on social media picture. One of those old school fridges like that's curved, like when they really oh, built yeah. him well, and he drilled a hole in it and threw a tap handle in there. He even had a custom tap handle built. I can't believe I haven't shared this on social media. I will. <laughs> After this episode, I swear I promise I'll share a picture of that. So I'm doing Newburgh Brewing Company, which is local to here. Uh, you guys are at work. I'm at work, but I work from home in a podcast, so cheers to you. I'll be drinking for the three of us. Thank you. Um, And we won't have to have a meeting with HR. Uh, Thanks to our friends at Owens Recovery Science for bringing you the uh, first round. Uh, A single source for PTs looking for a certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the uh, information and equipment you need to apply it properly in clinical practice, owensrecoveryscience.com. Justin Tammany, let's start with you. We're talking research on a couple different topics, as I alluded to a few times. Let's make sure we understand terms before we start. We'll start with productivity standards. And I made sure I knew exactly what it meant because I kind of knew it, but I wanted to make sure I locked down the definition, right? Yeah. Uh, Productivity, a percentage of how long a physical therapist is spending with their patients doing treatments that are considered billable by the insurance companies. Did I get that right? Did I miss anything out or did I, how was I?
1: Right. So probably most clinicians are familiar with, you know, your standard billing units. Uh, So typically a lot of organizations will come up with a percentage of your day that, uh, produces billable units, so you know it might be presented as you know ninety percent of your time needs to produce billable units, with understanding that four is four units are the maximum per hour. So uh, you can kind of do the calculations that way, depending on your shift length.
0: And I was going to ask questions, but I'm going to wait until after we really dig into it, because sure. of course I, of course, listen to people on social media as well. I've actually never worked at a place with with a productivity a set productivity standard. Like the pro, some, someone actually asked me in preparation for this episode, then what was the standard? How did you know? And our thing was um, be as productive as you can possibly be, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so there was no mathematical one. So I've never actually, I wanna be full disclosure, I've never actually worked in a, in, an, in a setup where it actually had a numerical, but a lot of people do. So you had uh, a study published in Science Direct, and the title of it is, "Our Productivity Goals in Rehabilitation Practice Associated with Unethical Behaviors? Before this episode, we ran a poll, a non-scientific poll just on Twitter, and we asked that question, are productivity goals and rehabilitation practice associated with unethical behaviors? What do you think our audience get, uh, uh, answered that? What is your ballpark?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think it's probably going to follow similar to what we saw for the prevalence. So, you know, probably 75% or so would say yes.
0: Yeah, it was, eight, it was 80%. Wow. And to dig, that, that assumed, right? That, that felt it. So I want to be clear, right? So you in your research, you found most, most, 89, almost 90% reported observing some form of unethical behavior, but many, about 70%, reported it occurred rarely or never, with skilled nursing being the setting most likely for unethical behavior, four times more likely. To report unethical behavior at a, at a skilled nursing facility, so let's let's dig into this. Uh, tell us about your research. You know what what aren't we seeing some some of these statistics? Ninety percent having res- observed some form of unethical unethic- behavior. There's got to be some more uh, depth we can go in there, but let's start with that statistic. Ninety percent. That feels yeah. like a lot.
1: It does feel like a lot. You know, like any research, you know, research is only so good. So a study like this, where you're studying a topic that makes people uncomfortable to report on. Uh, we know that there's some social desirability bias where people tend to answer in a way that makes them look better or makes their profession look better. So uh, we tried to structure our study in a way that uh, would account for that. So we asked them to report on unethical behavior that they had observed rather than they had participated in. Right. Uh, so that was helpful. But as you mentioned, about 90% said they saw some level of unethical behavior, which as a PT, that seems kind of cringy. But as you also mentioned, most of the people said that, you know, it was very rare that they saw it. So that was encouraging. But uh, yeah, interesting study. I felt like it's a topic that, you know, creates a lot of angst in PTs, you know, within our PT circles, we talk about it, but it doesn't really get a whole lot of attention uh, from our national organizations. So, um, you know, Dr. Barry and I have, Tried to propose sessions at CSM uh, for APTA uh, to discuss productivity, which you would think would be of great interest. You know, my study when it came out, the APTA social media sites and their Facebook page actually shared the link to it and the announcement for it, and you know, we got hundreds of reshares, thousands of comments, which is pretty rare for their site. But for whatever reason, either you know this topic intentionally gets muted or There's just a big disconnect between our national organizations as to what's going on in real clinical practice.
0: Do you think it could be? I mean, what what are we going to do about this? Right. I mean, this is such a a problem that could be so widespread. Let's say you're in charge. Let's say you're Justin Mori, the CEO of APTA. I don't like what what authority would he even have, if any, to to tell someone, "Hey, don't break the rules." We've set up rules have right. chosen to break, break
1: Yeah, it. certainly. Uh, you know, I won't say they haven't tried anything. You know, some of the, our study was based off of a, a statement the APTA uh, created with the Occupational Therapy Association and Speak, Speech Language Hearing Association back in 2014, uh, where they actually listed examples of what would be considered unethical behaviors. You know, APTA has also come up with resources on their website, uh, you know, along these lines. But again... It's more, you know, this is what you shouldn't do, but practically, how do we do that? So I think the first step, hopefully, is to start having these conversations at these meetings.
0: All right, let's go to the flip side. I understand why having a productivity standard for a business, right? A lot of these these clinics are trying to maintain a business and meet overhead and, and pay people. Having a productivity standard um, would be a good metric, right? How productive is this employee versus another? Let's make sure they're they're meeting their meeting their marks. But what do productivity standards do to physical therapists, to patients, and to care overall? Can we can is it too much of me to say like are they good or bad? Can we even say that?
1: Yeah, I think it's the the great healthcare debate that we have in the U.S. Where you know are we running it as a business? Are we running it? to meet our patients' needs first. So, you know, like any ethical dilemma, there's lots of different lenses we have to look through. So, you know, I think it's it's difficult to give a hard and fast answer, but when you start to look at studies like this one, where, you know, we show that it does lead to unethical behavior, um, you know, we'll talk more about hopefully later in this episode where, you know, some strategies around that. But, you know, if you look at, you know, business management research, psychological research, you know, from the business side, these productivity goals are very effective. You know, it, it does help uh, meet those productivity goals. So part of that is that it brings focus to that goal. So on the flip side, if we look at it from the clinician standpoint, you know, we put so much focus on those productivity goals. I know the, the organizations I've worked in that have a productivity standard. I mean, you might talk daily about the productivity standard. And you might talk once a year about evidence-based practice or ethical behavior. So, you know, we can say that our organization values ethics, values evidence-based practice. But if we spent so much more attention on meeting the productivity standards, it implicitly tells the clinician that this is really what we value.
0: Right. That is more important. Yes. You, You mentioned what does it do. Let's start with the physical therapist or physical therapist assistance, since that's our audience, mm-hmm. and then we'll go outwards. What does it do? What is what is constantly having a clock? And just to be clear, we always all have a clock, but you, you are being essentially graded on how productive you can be. That's gotta split some of your, some of your focus versus right. I'm one-on-one with my patient right now, but I'm now thinking I've gotta do six different things because this is gonna affect my number. So what do productivity standards do to therapists and therapist assistants?
1: Yeah, in my opinion, it it lowers the standard of care. You know, it it puts our profession at risk where, um, you know, if you go through the numbers, you know, you see all these deviations from standard practice where, you know, PT in general has all these unsupported differences, you know, care provided at different geographic locations, care provided for people with different insurances. Uh, If you look back at the history of skilled nursing facilities, you see that, you know, utilization of care tends to follow reimbursement. So the more we're reimbursed, all of a sudden, the more uh, care that patients need. So to me, it's a real threat to our, the autonomy of our profession. You know, we're we're pushing to be the, the these autonomous practitioners through our doctor to physical therapy degree, the other things we're trying to do. But at the same time, we're kind of cutting our own legs out by, you know, these type of behaviors where at some point, you know, We're going to have to answer for all this unsupported care that we're providing.
0: Uh, We hear about this a lot. I feel like every year when graduations occur for PT schools, a few months later, productivity standards comes to the rise. I feel like students or new graduates, I I should say, are being um, welcomed into the profession and being met with this thing that maybe was in play when they were in the clinical rotation. But now they're doing this 40 hours a week, and it's really slammed in their faces. Um, is are, are some of them that we've heard discussed on social media even possible? I mean, there are some that just math, I mean, people have laid out the math in some really great Twitter threads where it's just not mathematically possible. You would have to be leaving one patient interaction and be billing or be performing a billable service of the next in less than a minute. Um, some just don't seem humanly possible.
1: Right. I totally agree with you. And I'd be Curious to see how people get around these things. But, you know, there's definitely util- utilization of technicians in certain clinics where, you know, your tech might be seeing patients while you're seeing patients. Again, to me, that doesn't really support a doctoring profession. If the if untrained tech can do your job, then, you know, what's the point? Uh, so, yeah, it really doesn't make sense. And, you know, beyond just being unethical, it starts to get into some legal ramifications where we know, especially with Medicare and Medicaid patients, you know, the penalties for fraud, waste and abuse are pretty severe in the form of fines, jail time. And, you know, you can't as a clinician use the excuse that my boss made me do it, you know, you're ultimately responsible for the care you provide.
0: And the good part of social media when these conversations come up is a lot of seasoned clinicians will make that point right there that you had just made, which is this is your license, and if you're being asked to do something unethical, I didn't know or my boss made me do it, unfortunately is, is not a valid excuse. They're just not going to take that. Anything from your research that that I didn't ask? Um, the one thing I, I wanted to ask and clarify, um, that statistic that I mentioned in terms of – reported observing some form of unethical behavior. There's a, I don't wanna say a sliding scale, but there's gotta be a little bit of a scale. So um, did you look into what the actual ethical violations were? Did you go a little deeper there?
1: We did, yeah. So uh, we had, I believe it was uh, seven sample unethical behaviors. Most of those were drawn out of that consensus statement by the APTA. And the the way we phrased it was, just as unethical. So that allowed the respondent to kind of apply their own definition of unethical rather than giving them a specific scenario. So we had specific behaviors, but they could kind of determine, you know, what they considered to be unethical. And then we graded that on a Likert scale. So based off of the frequency that they saw it. So, you know, we saw differences in different practice areas, Uh, some other interesting things. Uh, that you may not see unless you really dig into the article is, you know, just the nature of the productivity standards. So we had a high majority of clinicians that thought that the standards were too difficult. Uh, Standards were, you know, excessively hard, which in psychological research, we know that's tied to performing unethical behaviors. Uh, We saw that uh, the vast majority of the clinicians had no input on what the productivity standards were. So, that's also been tied to unethical behavior. So uh, there's lots of interesting uh, tie-ins to, you know, basic psychological research that you see in these productivity goals. And then, you know, some other research we've done more recently that uh, we've done a poster presentation at CSN, which might lead into some of what Dr. Berry's going to talk about is uh, just the association between productivity standards and uh, clinician burnout, uh, intention to leave their job. So things like that. So it it's really all related. So
0: it's not just the PT, it's not just the patient. It's also the profession ultimately that this this can affect. Correct. Um, uh, appreciate that. Well, we'll bring in Dr. Barry right now. Dr. Barry, uh, welcome back to the show, and thanks for brewing at home. Just making that <laughs> commitment right there. Um, you had something recently published in the Journal of Allied Health: Job satisfaction and productivity requirements among physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. And some of the information there, uh, PTs and PTAs had similar levels of job satisfaction. Now, that was compared to each other, I'm I'm assuming. So they were were similarly uh, satisfied with their job. And participants had higher total satisfaction than established norms. So I guess when PTs and PTAs are compared to the rest of the world, they're a little bit more satisfied.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Now, out of this, here's where these two studies cross. 60% of subjects you studied had a productivity standard with an average standard, uh, 82.1%, and participants with a productivity standard had lower job satisfaction and lower satisfaction regarding rewards, operating conditions, nature of work, and communication. So this is where your two studies get to cross. Um, Let's talk about that. So where would you, when I asked that question of Dr. Tammany, are productivity standards good or bad in generic terms? How would you answer?
2: Uh, you know, I think that if productivity standards get too high, they, they're they bad. Um, in the study, too, we checked correlations, too, and we found that the higher someone's productivity standard, they also then, um, the higher the productivity standard, the lower their total job satisfaction was, and the lower their satisfaction was regarding pay, supervision, rewards, and communication within the organization. So I, I understand that you probably need to have some type of metric. I Kind of like like you had said before, I've been at places where they said we just like to stay busy. I've also worked in places with a productivity standard. Uh, I think if that becomes the the main focus of treatment and of what PTs and PTAs are doing, that's that's wrong. If they're seeing at the end of their day, I, one place I worked at the end of every day, when you locked out, it told you what your productivity standard was for the day. And having that the last thing you see going out the door was a little stressful, knowing, well, okay, is this good enough or bad enough? Or where am I sitting? So I think if they get too high, they're going to be detrimental to um, you know, to patients, to providers, and to the profession and, and all. One interesting thing about talking about ranges too in this study, for the 60% of PTs and PTAs who stated they had a productivity standard, the range was from 50 to 150%, which uh, like you, you guys were talking about, some of these standards, I think would be pretty impossible to to do um, without getting at that slippery slope of of overbilling or maybe treating not one-on-one when you're supposed to. And a, and a little over 6% of the respondents had a productivity requirement higher than 100% in the study.
0: How is that possible? Mathematically, would that be considered someone saying every moment of your time from when you walk in and put your coffee down from the parking lot until you... Pick up your stuff to leave. You need to be performing billable services.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, it's 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 interesting. Usually, a lot of my studies like this. Sometimes I'll leave an open blank, and they're you know they're quantitative studies. But sometimes I'll just say, if there's anything you'd like to add about about the study, put it in this text box. And sometimes I'll get very interesting things where people will will say that you know we're required to bill five units per treatment, and or we see a patient every half hour, and we're supposed to bill. You know, three four units per half hour per treatment, and uh, there there's been some interesting things I've seen. Where, like you said, I just don't understand how how those will work in the real world.
0: Yeah, the discussion that goes on on social media also talks about down the road, which is, and we mentioned this a second ago. How will this erode our profession? You know, will this inc- will this force therapists out of the profession because they're not satisfied? And we're seeing right now as we're sitting in this great resignation. Or is it more, hey, where people are now seeing what was possible in the last two years in terms of being able to dial back or do things at a different pace, and they're being asked to do those things, those same things, but at a higher pace again, and that isn't satisfying. And satisfaction is also an interesting term too. And I think you'd have an interesting take on this. What are the things that go into satisfaction? I mean, liking things globally is great, but also feeling useful, I imagine. I imagine there's a lot of different aspects to satisfaction.
2: Um, Yeah, and and I guess a couple things that first off, I was going to say for the great resignation, yeah, we're seeing that a lot. I think one thing tricky in physical therapy now with new graduates, with the amount of student loan debt, a lot of grads are coming out of school with, they may get a job with maybe an unrealistic productivity standard and they may be burned out, but they feel like they can't quit. They feel like they're kind of stuck there because now they have you know, a huge loan payment every month. Right. So I think that's kind of tough, that kind of ties in I think what we're talking about too. Uh, but with, with job satisfaction, this study, we utilize what's called the job satisfaction survey, which is a nice tool because when you look at job satisfaction, you can look at global job satisfaction, but you should also look at subscales. This one had nine different subscales where it really kind of drills down uh, for satisfaction regarding things such as pay and benefits, opportunity for promotion, um, fairness and competence in one supervisor, um, coworkers, contingent rewards. There's a lot of different aspects. And that's one thing I liked about uh, kind of looking at the study that we did was it It did you can kind of see which different areas uh, where PTs and PTAs were uh, more satisfied with, less satisfied with, and then when you pull in the productivity standards, um, which areas had a big impact. Like, people were still very satisfied with their co-workers, even if they had a productivity standard. So you can see that it didn't in fact impact every single aspect of job satisfaction, uh, but but many of them they did.
0: Yeah. Uh, question for both of you. Could, should Could we find would there could there be a magic bullet of a productivity standard that met not only the the business aspect of things, but also the the care aspect, and also the job satisfaction? Could we figure out if we research this enough, a magical number uh, to say that this is a productivity standard that meets all these
2: needs? Uh, I was going to say I, one one thing is nice about the profession with APTA is. In 2021, the APTA House of Delegates did come out with a position statement about productivity standards. And it seemed, it's, it's a very nice statement and it sounds like a magic bullet, but it's not very specific. And, and that position statement states that the APTA supports productivity standards that balance the patient experience and outcome, respect clinical judgment, adhere to the APTA code of ethics, consider the economics of care delivery models and improve the work experience of the providers, which is sounds great, like you're saying i'm not quite sure if there's a specific number that would fit in for that
0: it's not an objective measure this reminds me of my days in radio um well first of all there's a george carlin routine called the seven things you can't say on radio and i will not repeat them right now because they're bad i mean i could it's a podcast there's no rules i'm just not going to do it because ethically i don't want to on this show but you can google it george carlin seven things you can't say on the radio but actually the fcc has a moving goalpost. And I don't know if I'm going to get it exactly right, but essentially they said um, something is considered profane if it violates the median standards of a community. So the median standards of a community in Minnesota or Texas might be different than the median standards of a community in California or New York or Florida. So essentially what they were saying was uh, you can do anything you want but when you break the rules that we aren't putting forth, we will tell you and we'll tell you by finding you. And it sounds like that's what the APTA was saying in, in that position. But like, great for making the statement like we'd like to find a really great productivity standard. We are not going to tell you what that is because we don't there's no possible way. I mean, that, I was also sort of asking that question, knowing there was probably no mathematical answer.
1: Yeah. I, when we did our study, one of the goals was to just uh, document what productivity standards were out there. I know. Right. If, First part of my career, I spent a lot of time in hospital administration, and one of my frustrations when I got into management was that a lot of times we had these productivity standards that weren't based on anything. It was just a lot of times, you know, increasing the number from the previous year. And even when trying to ask other clinicians or administrators elsewhere, nobody was willing to share their productivity standards because I think in a lot of ways they knew that, you know, maybe that would make them look bad. So, I don't think you'll ever necessarily come up with a magic number because I mean, we can't even standardize our treatments with patients right now. It seems just because everyone is so different and unique. So yeah, I think there there can be some efforts to say, Hey, this is, this is the average for, you know, this practice setting. So, you know, your, your buddy who's out there, you know, in their first job and thinks 150% productivity standard is normal. I might realize that maybe that's not very normal
0: uh skilled skilled nursing facilities being the the place most likely to, to experience uh, ethical violations why do you think that is I mean my mom was just in a skilled nursing facility when I saw that that's exactly the first thing I thought was my mom or my grandmother why do you think that is is it
1: yeah I mean I, I certainly don't want to disparage any you know certain practice setting because there's a lot of great pts that work in skilled nursing facilities but Uh, my perception is that a lot of skilled nursing facilities are run by corporate entities who maybe are disconnected from the clinical practice aspect. I know when I was a new PT and trying to pay off some of my student loans, I'd, I'd work some weekends in skilled nursing facilities. And that's really one of the first places that opened my eyes to this problem that, you know, I'd go to fill in for a weekend and they wanted me to see a patient for two or three hours who you know, hadn't stood or walked in 10 years. Right. It's like that just doesn't seem appropriate. But, you know, um, another thing we find is that a lot of clinicians based their treatment models off of what the organization tells them to do and what they see modeled by other clinicians. So I think the onus really is on the organization, but also some of our more senior clinicians, you know, we can't keep accepting these unrealistic standards or ways of practicing because that becomes the norm for the profession.
0: I think that's it right there. I think you encapsulated all parts of the different all parts of a spectrum, right? The organizations that might put on 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 unreachable standards to a seasoned clinician who accepts them and then passes that along. And 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 Dr. Barry, you highlighted when a when a PT student graduates and is now saddled with another thing we talk about and that you also research, which is student debt, and they realize I gotta go along to get along because this is is this the way it is? Is is this to 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 go to a title of a Jack Nicholson movie? Is this as good as it gets? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing too, I've I've been really proud. I've had a couple uh, graduates from my program who have moved across the country and taken a position that probably sounded too good to be true, who have quit within the first few days because they get there and they realize that they were being asked to, to bill very unethically. And I, and I was very proud of them when they called me, they said, well, you told us that these type of facilities may exist. We didn't really believe you, but we were really surprised and, and they quit because they were scared about their license and they're like, I, I can't work here, which is was, was great.
0: So besides the obvious question of if someone's going to take a job, new grad or not, besides the obvious question of what is your productivity standard? What are some other questions people can ask to tease that out? Because just saying it's 90%, I don't think answers that, right? There's got to be some deeper questions and how is that calculated? And what what are some other things people can do to arm themselves? So that position, so that situation right there, Dr. doesn't
1: happen.
2: Um, I guess I would say that if there's a requirement for a certain number of Units being built for treatment that may be helpful if you're going to be treating all one-on-one, or if you're going to be, you know, doing group therapy. I think those would be important questions to ask as well.
1: Yeah, I know when I've interviewed for positions, sometimes you can just get that vibe based on the number of times that productivity is brought up. So, you know, a lot of the organizations that really emphasize that it seems like that comes up a lot in the interview process as well.
0: Yeah, they're trying to, uh, to decrease sticker shock from the first yes. day. They, they want to make sure that you buy the job. But they want to make sure that it's not necessarily sticker shock right. on the first day. Uh, future considerations. Researchers always love to end uh, research uh, with future considerations. What else should we be looking at? This is something that's not going away. It is something that is, is burning in terms of satisfaction and productivity and how it affects job satisfaction. What are future considerations for research?
1: Yeah, I think we've kind of hit on it a little bit already, but, you know, research is great. We're starting to get some of the data out there to start the conversation. But uh, as you mentioned previously, you know, we need to figure out how we can put this in action. You know, is it agreeing to what's an acceptable standard? Is it, you know, having those conversations at our national meetings and figuring out what can really be done? So I think, yeah, we both love research. Um, you know, it's a great first step to get that data out there, but at some point we have to figure out how we can put that data into action.
2: Uh, nice thing, too, the two of us, were are going to be presenting on this topic at the uh, Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy annual meeting this October, I think, which will be great to talk with all the state board members around the country about how um, these topics may impact um you know, licensure. If you if you ever get bored and look at disciplinary actions for PTs and PTAs on websites, uh, you can see things about overbilling or fraud. And, you know, we don't know if productivity requirements played a role in those, but you could see how possibly they could.
0: Um, before we go, I wanted to say, is there anything we can do to predict this? Are there predictors of unethical behavior or things that will, you know, you, you mentioned a second ago, an organization... At an interview bringing it up excessively that might be uh, high turnover at a clinic or a facility might be a predictor anything else that you saw in terms of a predictor of uh, ethical violations or the types of ethical violations
1: yeah you hit on two of the big ones there uh, we found that the biggest correlation for that unethical behavior uh-huh. was the organizational emphasis on productivity so again if that comes up a lot or you talk to a clinician where you know know like dr barry said you hear about your productivity every day you hear about it every week you know that might be kind of a red flag Uh, we did find that certain practice areas were more likely to experience that so as you said skilled nursing facilities were four times as likely Um, so you can read some of that in that article as well Um, but yeah i think in general, the relative emphasis on productivity versus evidence-based practice versus ethical practice is probably the biggest predictor.
0: Ask. A lot yeah. of times people, they'll tell right. you.
1: Yes. I, I don't think the organizations want to hide it because you know they don't want you to quit within the first few days either. So it's always better to ask those questions up front.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. We have a tradition on the show. It's called uh, Three Questions. Are you ready to do Three Questions? I sure. Let's do it. All right. Three questions uh, brought to you by our friends from physical therapy and balance centers. You want to open a PT practice, but you don't know how or you have a practice and you want to sell it. How do you do that? Well, you should know this. On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's physical, spelled all funny, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, franchise.com. Let's see. The uh, the first question we ask is a where question. Where's somewhere you wouldn't mind going? If you had to spend a week doing whatever it is that you do, research, just a geographic question. We'll go with Dr. Tammany, then Dr. Barry. Where's your where? Where wouldn't you mind going?
1: Uh, I personally would like to go to Boise, Idaho. I've been there in the past and beautiful mountainous. You know, I live in Abilene, Texas, which is extremely flat and dry and hot. So the complete
2: opposite of that would be great for
0: me. I like that. Dr. Barry, where's your where?
2: Uh, you know, um, I'm I'm a big fan of national parks in the U.S. This summer I got to hit Zion and Bryce Canyon, and we spent a week up in uh, Banff National Park in Canada. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm going back to Banff.
0: We got some blue water up there in Banff, it's that lake. It's really nice. All right, second question on three questions is a what question? What's something outside or inside the field of physical therapy? It doesn't have to be limited to what we're talking about today at all. Uh, that you've watched, read or listen to? A book, a movie, a podcast, something that you think the audience would get value from, something that you would say, hey, you should watch or read or listen to this.
1: I've got a book that I've recently read that I've really enjoyed. It's called How We Learn to Move by Dr. Rob Gray at Arizona State University. So it's all about motor learning approaches. I also do a lot of coaching with my kids in sports, so it's a little bit related to coaching as well. But yeah, I think any rehab professional could benefit from it because it's a lot about coaching and motor learning
0: well done dr barry what's what's your what
2: uh i'm gonna go in a different direction uh the big lebowski is always the answer yeah
0: they do dude, abides. The dude abides. uh final question on three questions for both of you guys is always a, a, a who question it's a people question who is someone the audience you think should know more about
1: I'm going to give a shout out to one of my colleagues here at Harden Simmons, uh, Dr. Marsha Rutland. Uh, she just won the APTA's award for excellence in academic teaching.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, she's kind of a star in anatomy education. She does an anatomy certification program here for uh, other people teaching uh, clinical anatomy. So shout
2: out to her.
0: Well done. And uh, Dr. Perry, who's your who?
2: Uh, you know, today I was thinking, thinking about this. Um, I'm going to Put a shout out to, um, I don't know who Meg Fisher is. She's a PT in Missoula, Montana, and she um, does a bunch of gravel races, gravel bike races. And she um, is pretty much a rock star in the field of gravel bike racing. So I'm going to give a shout out to her.
0: If I were racing on gravel, I would probably be using my face a lot. It's just my estimation in gravel bike races. All right, that's three questions. You guys are off the hot seat. It's from our friends at Physical Uh, therapy and balance centers. Find them online at physicalfranchise.com. Again, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. All right, Parting Shot is brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. They've got independent study courses designed for you if you practice anywhere in the orthopedic setting. Uh, Their flagship course, Current Concepts of Orthopedic PT, great. People are making decisions now if they want to get board certified, get that OCS. They've also got two new offerings right now uh female athlete through the lifespan and management of headaches so if you treat any of those people people with any of those afflictions uh check them out online right now at orthopt.org. all right parting shot we'll go dr tammany dr barry this is just your parting thoughts can be about tonight's topic or can be anything what would you want to leave with a mic drop moment or a soapbox statement what do you got for us dr tammany uh
1: so a couple different soapboxes for different portions of the pt community so uh, organizations, managers, I encourage you to survey your employees about the ethical culture you're creating, get their input on productivity standards and you know, whether they're appropriate uh, for our clinicians, especially our experienced clinicians. You know, Ultimately, we're going to be the change agents, so uh, we have to get away from accepting these unrealistic standards, uh, take a stand for our profession, and then for our Students and novice clinicians, you know, realize that uh, this should not be the norm for our profession, so do better. Do
0: better, I like that. I love when the parting shot can be summed up into just like something that sounds like it could be on a Nike ad. Uh, Dr. Barry, what's your parting shot? Take it away.
2: Uh, parting shot for me would be, I just think that new PTPTAs who just graduated, they should just be aware that if they work in facilities with a productivity standard or with a very high productivity standard, that there is an association with those high standards and um, lower levels of job satisfaction. Um, we didn't have time to talk about it today, but Dr. Tammany and I, we have some additional research we presented showing also that productivity standards um, are associated with higher rates of burnout and lower rates of work engagement. So I just asked those questions in interviews.
0: Yeah, where are you were, you're spending a significant portion of your life. And it can do a lot of different things to you while you're at work and then while you're also outside of work. Dr. Barry, you mentioned, hey, if the productivity standard, if you walk out and they hand you, they print out something, well, was your productivity today. That's what you're going to be thinking about through the night until the next morning. Um, and is that how you want to exist? Uh, gentlemen, thanks for doing this research. Again, when these topics come up often on social media. It's good to know and not just be listening to what everybody's saying. But to be honest, uh, what everybody was saying was pretty much in line to what your research said.
1: Yeah, thank you for the platform to talk about this, and I look forward to getting comments from your listeners as well.
0: Yeah, chime in. We'll put the uh, the links in the show notes to the research and to uh, to reach out to these gentlemen, the Justins, uh, as well. They we say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Uh, thanks for coming to ours. Thanks, guys. Right.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be
2: present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.